Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1069 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Cameron. He is 31 years old, been living with type 1 diabetes since he was 10, and he's had a bit of a rocky road. Today Cameron comes on the show and tells us all about it. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Learn more about comfort at CozyEarth.com. Learn more about savings by using the offer code JUICEBOX when you check out. Get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order of AG1 when you use the link drinkag1.com slash juicebox. Find the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, and please subscribe or follow in the audio app you're listening in right now. Subscribing and following in like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, wherever you listen, is a huge boost to the show. I don't normally put a brand new episode out on Thanksgiving, but I put one listener in charge of deciding about today's episode, and she happened to be Canadian, so she chose new episode. This one's for Canada, everywhere else in the world, and people in America hiding from their families. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Touchedbytype1.org. They're also on Facebook and Instagram, and they are an amazing organization helping people with type 1 diabetes. They just want you to come by and check them out. Find them on Facebook, on Instagram, and at touchedbytype1.org. The podcast is also sponsored today by the place where Arden gets her diabetes supplies, US Med. USmed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514 at the link or at the number, you get your free benefits check, and you get started with U.S. Med. My name's Cameron, 31 years old, live in, uh, live in Indiana, had diabetes for 21 years now, so I know you're, you're a big math guy. You could probably figure that out. I was, I was 10 years old when I got diagnosed, and uh, it's definitely been a journey to get to, uh, to where I'm at today. Cameron, if if the country is hinged on people being math guys who can subtract 21 from 31 quickly in their head. I think we're in trouble. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so you were 10. I was 10. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any brothers and sisters? I do. So my parents were never married. Uh, so I'm the only, I'm the only child that my biological parents have. Uh, but then they remarried. And so I have, three siblings on my mom's side and three siblings on my dad's side. Wow. Um, were any of them around when you were diagnosed? All but one. Okay. So, All but one. How did you work? Yeah. How did you work that? Did you go back and forth between houses or did you live with? Someone? Yeah. 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 So, uh, so I was born in Ohio. Uh, I lived there for uh, seven yeah, seven years. And they used to live like literally you could walk to the end of the street and see my dad's house or walk to the end of the street and see my mom's house. They lived really close. I think I'd spent considerable amount of time both places, but uh, they, 
I wouldn't say they were the the friendliest uh, with each other, but they definitely co-parented well. And my uh, both my stepmom and my stepdad were both big factors of allowing the smooth transition, I guess. Yeah. How how was that getting input from so many adults? Like, did you find it? Did you find it valuable? Like hearing, I guess, more more perspectives and and getting different ideas from people. Like, did it make you more De- well rounded? Definitely. Uh, they're two totally different people, and I knew that I, when I was with my dad, you know, I was going to be exposed to these type of things and these type of people. When I was with my mom, I'd be exposed to something completely different, and I wouldn't say one was better or worse than other but uh like you said it definitely helped me in shaping who i am today uh my childhood and ultimately while we're here uh the care of my diabetes yeah so well let's get let's get that's really fascinating actually but we'll we'll move forward to your diabetes so you're diagnosed are your parents together at that point or are you living uh nope no nope they are not so what do you remember about it anything oh man it's I feel like it's a funny story. Uh, so it was May of 2002. The Harry Potter movie had come out, I think, in like the holiday season, like 2001. And I was really on my mom about wanting to go. I pushed her and pushed her like to take us. And it's not that she didn't want to, but she made us earn things that we got. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she ended up buying the complete book set up until that point. I think it was like maybe the fourth book or something. And she said, if we read those books that she would take us to the movie. Well, you know, I was nine at the time. Didn't really, I mean, I'm would say I'm a great student, but reading has just never really been my thing. And so read, she said, okay, this is the day we're going to go super excited about it. Uh, we get to the movie theater, and at that time, it was at, like, the second run. Yeah. Like, you, you know, like, sometimes once a movie's out for so long, it'll go to another theater where it's kind of, like, older movies but not ready to go to DVD yet. Mm-hmm. DVD, that's how, that's how long ago it was. Well, I'm thinking, I don't even know <laughs> if people understand this, but there used to be second-run theaters where they'd, like, pull you in for a couple bucks for a ticket, and they'd give you free popcorn. Trying yeah, to, yeah, you yeah that's that? exactly how this. that's exactly how this one was. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, we get a bucket of popcorn, candy, drink, the whole nine yards. Movie starts, so I'm real excited. I've already read the book, so I kind of in my mind know how the movie's going to play out. But... Cameron, I lost you. Five times. Ca- Cameron, I lost you. I'm sorry. You knew in your mind oh. how the movie was going to play out. I knew, I, yeah, I was saying, uh, I knew in my mind how the movie was going to play out, uh, but I was still excited to see it. But in the first 30 minutes of the movie, I get up to use the bathroom like four or five times. You know, the first time it's like, you know, understandable. Second time, my mom's like, geez, like maybe you shouldn't, you know, you should put the drink down. Uh, after the third time, she's like, okay, if you don't want to see the movie, like just say that, you know, you're the one that wanted to come to this. I'm like, mom, I, I don't know what's wrong. I just, I have to use the bathroom and it's like full bladder every time. After the fourth time, she's like, okay, let's just get up and go. And I'm upset. I think I start crying. Like my brother's upset with me because he's like, man, we waited so long to come see this movie and you just messed it up for us. 
And I'm like, I I just don't know. Like, I just cannot stop using the bathroom. I think we get home. My mom's like asking me, like, you know, do you feel sick or anything? I'm like, no, because at that time I wasn't really aware of like the symptoms. But my mom, she was a she's a type two diabetic. And she just kind of thought in her mind, like, you know what, let's just check your blood sugar and see what it is. I'm like, well, what does that mean? My mom's a really jokey lady. And she's like, oh, that's just, you know, the the meter being nice to you, saying hi, uh, how you doing, things like that. But I could tell, like, in her and the way she was acting in her, in her voice that something was wrong. Uh, we wait a little bit. I think like maybe a couple hours, uh, check it again, still says hi. And she takes me to the emergency room. And right then and there, they just listing off everything that had happened. Uh, they're like, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and admit you to uh, our peds, our peds unit. At that time, they, they tell me like, you know, you have type. Cameron, rest of my life. Cameron, I'm so sorry. They tell you you have type one and. They told me I had type one diabetes, uh, my blood sugar, 1600. And uh, at that point, I realized like my life was going to be changed forever. Wow. 1600. Yeah. Oh, geez. That's crazy. How um, had you lost weight? Like in hindsight, did you look uh, back and say, oh, I've lost weight? I mean, I've always I've always been on the thin side, you know, outside playing around. So you're always drinking water. You've always been a skinny kid. She said that she never really noticed any of that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, like, I mean, I can't really remember any symptoms before going to see Harry Potter. Yeah. Isn't that something? Just all of a right. sudden, it all just kind of washed over you at once. It it did. No it crazy. definitely did. Wow. So you go to you go to the hospital or a doctor? I'm, I'm sorry. I kind of missed uh, that part. Yeah, no. So I, they admitted me to the hospital. I was there for four days, I think, which uh, after hearing everybody else's story, seems like a long time. But uh, uh, from what I can remember and what my mom said, she she said that like it was it took a while to to kind of get you back to stable. And then, like I said, like things just kind of things just kind of changed. Like I, you know, they put me on. Uh, I was like Humalog and I was trying to rack my brain. I think it was Humalin. Okay. Maybe. Remember there was a red cap and an orange cap and one was like slow acting, one was fast acting. And so trying to like regulate that, trying to, trying to, you know, explain how everything works and everything. Cause with my mom having type two, I think all she took was like oral medications. And so the use of insulin wasn't uh something that she was uber familiar with sure sure she didn't know about that at all wow, right right wow, right man that's crazy so um so you obviously start with i mean it's 21 years ago right so isn't yeah. it by the way so far the most stunning thing you've said is that 21 years ago was 2001 and you were like talking about the first harry potter movie and i'm like oh my god how how old am i you know what i mean yeah uh, yeah like uh, whenever i say 20 years ago i'm still thinking like 1980s i swear to god that's exactly how it hits me <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah oh my gosh so how do you does your mom help you with management or is it something that gets given to you 
Everybody who has diabetes has diabetes supplies, but not everybody gets them from U.S. Med the way we do. USmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. U.S. Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide. They are the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide, and they always provide 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. That's right, U.S. Med carries everything from insulin pumps to diabetes testing supplies, right up to your latest CGMs like the Freestyle Libre 2 and 3 and the Dexcom G6 and 7. They even have Omnipod Dash and Omnipod 5. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and you can reach them at 888-721-1514 or by going to my link, usmed.com forward slash juicebox. When you contact them, you get your free benefits check, and then if they take your insurance, you're off and going. And US Med takes over 800 private insurers and Medicare nationwide. Better service and better care is what US Med wants to provide for you. usmed.com forward slash juice box. Get your diabetes supplies the same way Arden does from US Med. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com to US Med and all of the sponsors. When you use my links, you're supporting the show. She, she definitely, she, she empowered me to the counting of the carbs and everything. Uh, she empowered me to do that stuff, but she, her and my dad and my stepdad and my stepmom, uh, they all kind of kept that like hovering eye on me to make sure that I understood I, what I was doing. Mm. They made sure that I, uh, was doing the right thing. So like I said, they were very helpful in the in the process of learning and managing i'd say up until i was in high school wow that's great yeah did you have good outcomes because of that kind of support i did up until high school yeah when they completely gave me rain and it just it kind of went downhill from there (laughs) You, you, you stopped paying attention or uh not that i stopped paying attention but i mean it was to that point uh i was still taking injections so it was like kind of easier to hide and it's not ever something i've been embarrassed about Mm -hmm. but at the same time not something i'm like just very forthcoming with like i don't just go tell people hey i'm a type 1 diabetic yeah it was never anything like that but yeah when i got to high school uh i got put on an insulin pump i never really wanted an insulin pump because i felt like that would just be something to tell people like oh he has diabetes or Mm -hmm. he has something wrong with him what's that thing sticking out of you it was just something I was kind of ashamed of. I mean, it sounds terrible, but I was like ashamed to have it. Felt like I was less than. Mm-hmm. And so once they did kind of like give me control, because I was, I wouldn't say I was like a rebel kid, but I definitely was very independent in my my thinking and uh, my actions and everything. And so I just, uh, you have to, we have my endo appointments every three months or whatever. No, I should check my blood sugar every time I eat, eat, when I wake up, when I go to bed. So, you know, six to eight times a day, I should be checking my sugar. Mm-hmm. I was lucky if I was checking my sugar once. And so then when it came time to go to that endo appointment and my mom's like, okay, do you have your notebook with all your numbers written down? You know, because there was no gluco or any kind of like data sharing back then. Sure. I would just make up numbers 
And, you know, I never wanted to make it seem like I was, you know, not in control. Uh, so I'd write down that I was having good numbers. Well, then my A1C comes back and it's, you know, 10.5. And they're just like, well, what, what is going on? Like, mm-hmm. there's no way that these numbers match up with an A1C. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe just something's wrong with the, with the, with the monitor. And so we had to have gone through like seven or eight different monitors, different, you know, stop using your blood, my fingertips. I start using my forearm and my palm, things like that. Cameron, while all that's happening, are you sitting in that office thinking, here, I'm not really doing anything? Like, are are you? Oh, yeah. And looking back on it, man, I felt, I feel bad about it because I know I put my mom through hell trying to figure out what was wrong. I feel like my endo knew, but she didn't want to be, you know, accusatory or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I know I put my mom through hell and my dad's kind of just like, man, this is, this is not making sense. I I don't know, but you know, you seem like you're okay, but really I wasn't. Yeah. So another thing that's kind of like ashamed of, but from like the age of, let's see. So I got diagnosed when I was 10 from the age of like 10 to 12. Like I probably wet the bed like at least once a week. And it was because my blood sugar was so, high all the time sure and you know and before then like you know never had accidents or anything like that but you know it's just something that i hid and so my mom didn't know that that was going on and it was i think it had she have known she would have known like hey okay your blood sugars aren't right and the things that you're writing down on this notebook as far as what your blood sugars are that's uh it's not adding up so let's let's try to maybe let's rein back your control and let me get back to kind of take over more control. I think if, uh, if she would have known everything that was kind of going on behind the scenes, um, you know, had the, the classic like muscle cramping, uh, just always felt kind of tired and dry. My eyesight was like, I didn't know them. Lenses. I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I was blind. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was a rough, it was a rough four years in high school with, uh, with all of this. Wow. And, and so because the, the impacts of it on your health are slower and it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like immediate. Are you thinking you're getting away with something? Are you like, I don't really need to do as much as they're saying? Was yes. it, was it, or was yes, it not definitely. that conscious? And I think that's why I was, I was able to go those four years throughout high school I'm going to go to kidney dialysis, having to go through dialysis and losing limbs, but eh, that's not going to happen to me. I mean, I'm still able to get out there on the football field and score two touchdowns or be on the basketball court and score 20 points. Like it wasn't slowing me down at all. Mm. So at least what everybody else could see. Now I knew on the inside that I felt like crap, but you know, I just figured I just pushed through it and didn't seem like it was stopping you. No, not at all. So, Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I see. So what what finally gets you through that? The summer of my senior or I guess after graduation uh, of high school, going into my freshman year of high of college, I uh, find out that my girlfriend at the time was pregnant and she, uh, 
you know, I had plans to go off to one school. She had plans to go off to another school. And I just, I, I have such a, a great, like, foundation as far as my parents go. And even having, you know, like I said, my, my stepdad, my stepmom, uh, I knew that I couldn't be just like somebody who didn't care about their child or, yeah, here, you just go live off with them and I'll see you twice a year or whenever she comes back from whatever. So uh, we both made an agreement to to stay in our hometown. And then once he was born, I kind of just knew like, man, I, I got to make it to his high school graduation, to his wedding, to his children being born. Uh, and I got to do something different. Now, it wasn't like an overnight like realization, but at that time I started, you know, actually checking my blood sugar and seeing like, damn, man, like your sh- blood sugar is like 300 all the time. And that's that's not going to get you to where those goals or those milestones that you say you want to be at. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the birth of my of my first son uh, definitely changed or at least put me in the path of like getting better. Now, I still wasn't exactly doing what I was supposed to be doing. It definitely made me feel like I need to I need to change something or else I'm not going to make it. Yeah. Tell, tell me, how old are you when you, you have your son? Uh, so I just turned 18. Wow, man, that's hard. Yeah. Like, forget diabetes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it made me grow up real fast. Damn. And uh, and like I said, I was very kind of independent in my actions and ways. And so. I didn't have to move out of my parents' house, but I was like, no, I'm going to live by, I'm going to live on my own. I'm going to get my own apartment. I'm going to take care of this child. I'm going to graduate college. I'm just going to do it all by myself. Hmm. It was, uh, it was challenging, but like I said, I, I knew that I had something to live for now. It ended up being for the better. Cameron, it is the most common theme in my conversations with people who are adults who have type one diabetes is that it took like, the concern for someone else or a relationship of some kind to make them focus on themselves and pull things together. It's yeah. yeah, Just the most common theme. It's um, it's something else. Yeah. And it's like, to me, it seems like that's a like, man, so you care about somebody else more than yourself. But I mean, I I do care about myself, but I felt like I was managing. So I was like, I don't need to change anything. But then the, like I said, having, having the birth of my son, uh, knowing that I, I need to be around for him. It just, it just gave me that extra push, that extra motivation that I needed. Cause, and I always tell him this, like without him, like I probably wouldn't be alive today. Wow. Because you think you would have just continued on that path and then gotten into real trouble with your type one. Most, most definitely. I mean, there were times where like my blood sugar, I check it when I wake up in the morning and it's 500 and I'm just like, Oh shoot. Like I didn't take any insulin yesterday. So then, and like, this sounds terrible. I don't, maybe this needs to be like an after dark to, to maybe shield some kids listening or something. But like, I would take like, I would take 30 units of insulin. Oh dear God. Yeah. 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 And like I said, that was just how I was doing things and how I was managing my diabetes. But I just felt like, okay, well, you know, I can just take this insulin and everything will be fine. I had never listened to the juice box podcast. I had never really cared about like the little things that I could do to make such a difference in my life, not only for my, my physical health, but like for my mental health uh, and just for like all the relationships in my life. Um, Because 
I felt like those kind of were on on edge sometimes because of my up and down with my blood sugar. Just you know, it messes with your your irritability, your mood, your 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 focus. And I sometimes I didn't have the the focus and control of myself to to take to take on the initiative to to stop stop myself from letting my sugar get so high and then doing something dumb like taking a big bolus of insulin to let it get so low. Yeah. And so, you know, it messed with my mood and irritability sometimes and that was probably probably hard to deal with. Yeah, it's just such a a, a cycle, right? You you don't manage your blood sugar, your blood sugar gets very high. You stop, you know, you're not making decisions the way you would if your blood sugar was lower. And now, you know, it just snowballs. And then eventually the number slaps you in the face and you say, oh, I guess I got to do something. And then it breaks through all that. And then you do another thing that's not safe and then just try to catch it on the backside. I, I hear adults say, you know, when they have friends with diabetes that, you know, when people have trouble, like with really low dangerous blood sugars, it's often because of this. It's often because they get into a situation where they just get very aggressive with insulin and then sometimes fall asleep afterwards or things like that. And then they're not there to help themselves. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's kind of what was happening. You know, there's a there's a difference between being bold with insulin and then being careless and reckless with insulin. Yeah. And I was definitely doing the latter. I, you know, wasn't really thinking about the consequences of uh, what was going to happen to me. Hmm. And you got lucky. I guess nothing ever went too, too wrong. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I had my, my, my moments where, you know, like I said, I was living by myself and, you know, my mom would come over to see me or see, see my son and she'd knock on the door and it's like, I can, I can hear that she's knocking, but in my, my body, I just can't get up. And so, you know, she used her key open up and I, here I am on the floor. Hmm. Uh, after my diagnosis, she went to uh, nursing school and got her RN uh, degree. And so she became a lot more aware of things to look for and how to, how to manage things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there would be times that she'd have to call, she'd have to call the EMS service to, to come out and give me a bag of D10 to, you know, save my life. Wow. And that's scary. Yeah, yeah, but man. like I said, it it helped me going through all of that helped me get to where I am today. Cameron, can I ask you, Eve, at that young age, was it just you and the baby, or with you? Are you with the baby's mom too? Are you guys married? Or no? So me and my me and my son's mom, we were kind of on and off for maybe like two years after he was born, uh, and then just kind of realizing I I think it kind of goes back to you know, just my, my instability and my actions and mood and everything, uh, we ended up not being together. So yeah, for like two and a half, three years, uh, before I met my, my now wife, I lived on my own, uh, with my, with my son. Wow. That's a lot. That that's a, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. In my heart, I don't know if I can allow you to keep doing this because not only are you putting yourself at risk, but you're putting this this child at risk, too. And me being all machismo and having having a huge ego, uh, I'd be like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'll, I'll take care of it. 
But luckily for me, this these things would never happen when when I was with my son because we would, you know, he'd come stay with me for the weekend or a couple of days throughout the week and I'd be on top of my game. But then when I wasn't with him, uh, that's kind of when I would slip back into old Cameron ways and, and not take care of myself the way that I should. Yeah. Well, Cameron, I mean, in honesty, you're really just describing an 18 or 19 year old guy, you know, or, yeah. or a person and, and that the, um, application of diabetes to your life, I mean, is obviously it's unfair. It's unexpected. And you're still going through like a growth and maturation process. You're not finished with it yet. And now yeah. you have this serious thing to do. Like, it's easy to say, like, oh, I should have done better, or I could have, or I wasn't. But, I mean, I don't know. How many 19-year-old people you know taking anything very seriously? Not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot. Yeah, right? You know? So you're you just, you just put in a bad situation at a bad time in your life. And, I mean, to your credit, you, you pulled yourself together, you know? Yeah, but I cannot take all the credit for that because, like I said, uh, uh, meeting my wife, she definitely had an impact. Uh, when I first met her, I was getting better at the management of my diabetes, but I still wasn't doing everything that I was supposed to. But she kind of like put it down like, I can't keep uh, seeing you like this because she also had to see me sometimes with those low or high blood sugars and she had to call EMS a few times yeah but she got me to the point where I could see that like I was really gonna lose something great if I didn't take care if I didn't change something and stick with it it couldn't just be a you know do it a little bit here a little bit there type deal and yeah without without her I definitely wouldn't have the control that I have today. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, I got that story. I think a lot of guys have that story. Um, you oh, know, oh, yeah. <laughs> but but did you have that that realization of like, well, I already like I'm not with the mother of my child now because of like and it's going to happen again. Did you see like, oh, geez, this is happening again? No, see, because at that time I was only so when I met my wife, I was 20, 21. Mm. I didn't have I didn't have the the knowledge that I have now. So like looking back on it, like, yeah, I'm probably, well, I wouldn't say the only reason, but one of the reasons I'm not with my first son's wife, my first son's mother was because of my diabetes. But I mean, now I can say that. Uh, but back then I'm just like, Oh no, she's crazy. I, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't realize what she's losing out on. I just, I can't deal with her. Yeah, Cameron, every girl wants a guy laying on the floor, incapable of helping themselves. <laughs> but I realized that I could uh I could lose something good and pretty much from day one she has been she has been good for me and good to me. So yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, you can't beat a good pairing. And I mean honestly, it just it sort gave of, me that extra yeah. that extra push the 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 thing that I needed to like stay consistent with my with my care and everything that I was doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it sort of makes sense, too, because generally speaking, women mature faster than men. And I mean, I needed like Kelly helped me a lot when I was younger. You know, she was just she was more like emotionally mature than I was. And so, you mm -hmm. know, she could kind of point things out and I'd be like, oh, that's right. And then, you know, then it comes down to 
someone points something out about you, you're either going to face it or run away from it. And like you said, you're like, well, I really like this girl. Like, I don't want this to stop. So I'll face what, what, what I'm learning about myself and, and grow from here. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. And so, so yeah. And like, I mean, so then you could also thank my wife for, for leading me to you because so I was uh, working out of school uh, with kids who are not the most well-behaved. It's an alternative school. So some of these kids should should have probably been in some kind of juvenile correctional system, but uh, they were given a second chance. They got to go to this alternative school, okay. and these kids realized that, oh, oh, Mr. Cameron, he has this insulin pump in him, or he has this this tube hanging out of him, and every time it beeps, you know, he stops what he's doing. He'll check it. But if that cord comes out, then he'll leave the classroom and we'll kind of have free reign to ourselves, you know, for five, five, six minutes. And uh, it happened a couple of times where they, you know, call me over like, oh, hey, I need help with whatever worksheet or assignment they were doing. And they would pull out my cord. They pull out my my infusion set. Wow. Sounds terrible, but it's to be expected from from children, from kids like this. And uh, she's like, well, not only is that damaging your health because now you don't have insulin or whatever. She's like that, that costs money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, insurance was, I had insurance, but it wasn't the greatest. And so it was a, a big bill for us to pay every month to get those supplies. And so she, she looked up like alternatives to tube insulin pumps and she found the Omnipod. And I thought like, okay, yeah, that sounds cool. I'll try it or whatever. I got it. It was cool, but I felt like I was missing something. So I start doing some research about like, you know, could I watch a YouTube video on maybe like somebody who had this stuff? And she found the Juice Box podcast. Hmm. Start listening to this. She listened with me for like the first couple months. And she's like, you know, this guy says some pretty good stuff. Like maybe you should try to incorporate that into what you do. And the rest from there, I mean, it was only up from there. I my A1C start coming down. Uh was able finally like to start keeping weight on. It was it was it was a great it was a great uh find by her. And then shortly after I got the Dexcom and things just kind of start clicking. That's fantastic. How how long ago was this? This was in 2016. Wow. You found the podcast really early. Yes. Back when you were like, before you got to episode 100. Yeah. Back when my dogs were barking in the background and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't have this great microphone. Wow. That's really, boy, that's, that's interesting and very, um, I don't know how to put it. Like, like while you were explaining her finding the podcast and and just when you said like, you know, there's things being said here, I think you could incorporate. It's hard for me to imagine like still one-on-one. Like I, I know I say something in the microphone and a lot of people hear it, but that's mm-hmm. like, it. that's not a, it's not a human thing. Like it's a number, right? Like, oh, it goes to this many devices. Um, but to hear like you and your wife having a conversation and then it leading to value for you, is, is really gratifying. I, I don't really know another way to say it. I'm, I'm appreciative that you shared that with me. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. And I mean, sometimes I always ask like, you know, like, why is Scott not like 
in the medical field? Why is he not like, why is he not an endocrinologist or, you know, a diabetes educator? Because half the stuff that I hear from him, I've never heard from my endo team or, you know, and they make you do trainings every time you get a new pump or something like that. Like, yeah. you know, and, you know, not to, not to belittle like your experience or intelligence or anything, but he's no medical professional. So, you know, how is he able to come up with these realizations and they're not? Strange thing. Just it's, you know, I think that the system teaches away and that's then people get into a professional setting and they do the thing they were taught and you're being taught based on old ideas. I can, you know, I can shift in the moment and I still don't like, don't get me wrong. I never had like an experience and ran right to a microphone or, or a keyboard and said like, Oh, this just had like, I, I wait a while until I think like, this is really consistent. Like I'm seeing this over and over and over again. This, this is, this is a thing that's not letting me down. Now it's a good time to share with people what we're doing. And, you know, but then I can pivot like, right. Like if you, you know, if you're at a hospital right now working mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, man, I'd love to tell people to pre bolst but they won't let me do that here. There's no way, there's no way to make a change. You know, to me, that's just so mind blowing because like, if you're not doing that, you're chasing that number. And granted, yes, sometimes there are certain situations where pre-bolusing isn't necessary, might even be detrimental. Sure. You know, if your blood sugar's 60 before you start eating, well, yeah, maybe you should eat and then take insulin like in the middle of your meal. Mm -hmm. But like the term pre-bolus, and I even use that like when I first met with my my current endocrinologist and I use the term pre-bolus, he's like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, what? Great. Man, you got all these pictures on your wall like you've been doing this for 20 years and you've never heard the term pre-bolus like or, or never man. never just considered the idea of matching up the impact of the insulin with like, you know, like with the food. That's is right. that is that a crazy a crazy thought? <laughs> you right. know? And I'm so it just I don't know. And then like just the whole idea of, you know, foods hitting differently like I said, I've just I've learned and maybe it's stuff that I knew, but I didn't really know how to put that into practice. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, listen to the podcast just kind of opened up like a whole new whole new way of thinking uh, and being bold with the insulin. I'm thrilled. For like you. I said, not not being not being reckless with the insulin, but being bold, like not being afraid to yeah. push that number down. Like, yeah, it's 120, but let's let's try to get it to 100. Let's try to get it to 90. Like. Right. You feel so much better. And over the long run, you know, it'll help your, your. Cameron, you, you jumped out there for a second, but I'll just say like, you back. Oh, yep. Oh. I'm here. Yeah, yep, okay. I can Sorry. Hear you. Hey, um, I, I used to hear people say that too. Like, Oh, this guy is saying to be like careless with insulin. I was like, where did, where'd you get that from? <laughs> you know, like, um, I, I said bold one time. I was like, just, you know, <laughs> just be a little bold. That doesn't mean you know, it doesn't mean light your hair on fire and jump off a cliff. It, it, you know, just it just means don't lay back. And and then as as I was saying it for longer and longer, I don't hear that anymore. Now that there's a bunch of content up and people who listen really understand it, you realize that that's no different than any other knee jerk reaction that you see in media anywhere else. Like you, you know, you can hear 
a, a snippet of anything anyone says and argue about take, it. Yeah, you take know? it out. Of, it gets yeah. taken out of context. Hundred percent. Yeah. And so now that now that it's up, like, and people can listen, they go, "Okay, I get what he's saying." You know, like, you know, just maybe not be scared would be a good, right. Because I mean, thing. we're being proactive instead of reactive, and that's I feel like what helps what helps lower that A one C. What helps get your standard deviation down. You know, mm. because if you're not taking insulin until you're, you know, 150 arrow up, by the time it levels back out, you might be at 200. Sure. And then what does that do for the sensation in your your fingers? Like, and those are things I'm sure no, nobody wants to lose. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what what do those deviations, those jumps, and those spikes like? They're they're very they're very harmful to your body. Like every time yes. your blood sugar spikes up and stays up and comes crashing back down, that's hard on you. And it it's a cumulative effect. If that keeps happening, then things get worse. I mean, you were having real problems when you were younger and you weren't even doing it that long. And, you know, you, you get bad impacts exactly. from it. Exactly. Yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so- hey, Cameron, don't be scared of insulin. It's not a good logo tagline for a T-shirt. So I went with both. <laughs> don't be scared of your insulin. Sound, I think it sounds, it sounds great. Good, good. I'm, well, I appreciate it. And it, and, sounds and it hit you well. You heard something. You thought, well, this makes sense. And then you tried it. Like, I think there are times when people think, like, Oh, I have to do exactly what that guy says. Like, I don't think that at all. Like, I think of myself as delivering concepts and ideas, and I'm just sharing. And then you take them back in your life and see where they fit or that we're not, you know? Right. Cause I mean, they're, I mean, you're like, yeah, you're, you know, about to hit like 800. You might have even pick on past 800. Oh, yeah. I'm way uh, past that. Episodes now. Yeah. Well, from where I, cause, Sometimes like I'll get the notification that you posted a new one and I'll see the title and I'm just like, ah, that doesn't really catch my, mm-hmm, sure. that doesn't really catch my attention right now. So I'll listen to it later. Yeah. But you know, we're, I hear these sometimes I'm just like, oh, maybe that works for them. But for me and like in my job, and that's, I guess maybe something I should mention uh, here later uh, with my job, I can't, I can't do I can't necessarily do that. I can't, I can't always pre-bolus or I can't always eat a low carb meal or, you know, do things like that. So, yeah, yeah. I I get confused when people feel like the thing they heard like has to be done. But then you look at the medical field and that is how it's set up. It's like, here are the rules, follow the rules. And then somebody comes. There is no, there is no variable. No, there's lots of variables in this. There's, there's thousands of possibilities and you need to cherry pick the ones that fit in your life and 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 work for you like and there are things that people do that don't work for others there's sometimes they don't work because they're doing them wrong and sometimes they don't work because it's not right for them and that's for you to figure out like i can't figure that out for you but what i know is is that when people go to a doctor's office and they're given a static set of five rules what i'm hearing back from people is that does not help me and I, I live an unhealthy life. Right. Yeah. So I say give everybody all the information that exists and then let them let them write their own story with it, you know. Yeah, but I mean it does take time though, because sure. newly diagnosed, I would never be able to be like, Well, okay, so yeah, my blood sugar is this, but I know if I just kind of bump and nudge a little bit, I can get it down without fearing that it's gonna get low mm-hmm. or I can eat a bowl of pasta that maybe has 80 grams of carbs. And then I could also eat, 
you know, a steak dinner with some potatoes. And that also has 80 grams of carbs, but that's going to hit me completely different. Like Mm. you don't have that, you don't have that, uh, that baseline or those life experiences to help kind of guide that. So I can kind of understand why they give the, the kind of static, like just do this and see if it works. But I mean, when, you know, you've been going to the same endo for 10 years and they're giving you the same information. It's like, well, as I need to adjust, you should also be adjusting Oh yeah, as well. No, and you just, I mean, I don't know how many people I have to talk to who didn't have access to the information and now do, and things are so much better for them. I mean, you just, you can't hold back information from people. It's, it has to be readily available to them. And then they can, I mean, they're adults, they can do what they want to do with it after that. Like it's, you know, and hopefully people have good success yeah. like you did. You're doing terrific. It's amazing. I'd like to think so. Are you kidding? What What's your A1C now? Uh, my A1C now is 5.4, <laughs> uh, which I mean, like I remember when I, I looked on the Clarity app and the Clarity app said that my A1C was going to be like five, six or something. Mm-hmm. And then I go to the doctor's office you know, and get my blood work back and it says it's five, four. And I'm just like, so excited. And he's like, well, you already knew it was going to be that. Right. I'm like, yeah, but five, four, that's, that's almost seven whole points lower than what I was five years ago. And then what I was 10 years ago. And so just the, the progress that I'm making, like, is I always just look back and be like, man, I've come a long way. Yeah. I've come a long way. You have enough history to appreciate the the success that you're having. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause I can, I can remember times where, you know, I would be, I'd leave on a trip, maybe go out of town somewhere for whatever reason and forget to bring, forget to bring insulin. Like, man, I packed everything else that I needed, but I forgot my insulin. Hmm. Uh, whatever. I'll just, I'll be fine for the weekend without it. Wow. And now, like, I can't even leave the house without, like, okay, do I have my go bag with me? Do I have my, do I have my PDM? Do I have an extra site? Do I have an extra sensor with me just to, uh, you know, prepare for all that stuff? And without all those bad times I went through before, I might not have the knowledge to, or even the wherewithal to think, like, let's, let's prepare for, let's prepare for everything. Yeah. Well, not everything, because you can't really yeah. do that, but let's be better equipped to handle this thing called diabetes. Yeah. Within reason, like there's, there are times when, you know, I see people like I'm in another state and I need a, you know, I need an infusion set. I'm like, how did you get, like, how did that happen? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's like when, when we're packing, like we just got back from a, from a spring break trip. And the first thing that was on my list was diabetes supplies. And not only my, like having my diabetes supplies could just mean having my PDM and, uh, an extra site with me, but you're going out of town. Like, and you know, you're going to be gone for a while. Like, why don't you have, you know, you might only be gone for a week, but I'm going to take four different, I'm going to take four sites with me. I'm going to take two sensors with me. And sometimes it might seem excessive, but you never know what might happen. Well, it's better to unpack it at home later and not use it than not have it. And that's right. I, mean, I would say, yeah, that's, yeah, that's something I say all the time. And my kids even will repeat after me. Dad always says it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Yeah, damn right. Oh, please. When we go on uh, trips with Arden, I mean, I could probably take care of two people who use an Omnipod. <laughs> you know, like, right. Because why not? Like, And then like, you know? 
Yeah, just seeing sometimes seeing all the posts and things like on the Facebook site and everything and people are, you know, they might be, you know, five hours away from home and say that they need something. I would like to be able to help those people if ever I could. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason you never know who you might run into. And people are kind of more open about it now. So like you might see somebody's Dexcom like on the back of their arm and be like, ooh, they have diabetes. And, yeah. you know, my wife will be like, like, oh, he's going to go say something to him or whatever. Or <laughs> You kids think you're corny, Cameron, or no? Yeah, but I, sometimes I kind of like that. I like when people approach me about it. So I would think that maybe this person would like the same. Yeah. No, I think everybody's in a different part of their journey. But I think that it is a um, a mentally and psychologically freeing thing to not hide your diabetes. And to, to meet yes. other to meet other people who have type one or type two, I think I just think it's a it's terrific. You, you know, like it's absolutely can pull you out of that feeling of like, oh, this is just happening to me and it's not happening to anyone else. It's valuable to know that that's not true. Right. To have that just that community. And that's one thing like listening to your podcast and then joining the the, the private Facebook group and everything like hearing some people's stories, it's like, ah, yeah, I remember when that happened to me. And so I'm able to share my experiences sometimes. And, you know, sometimes people are just like, oh, no, I could never do that. And other times people are like, thank you. Like that was, I needed to hear that. And it's like, I'm just saying stuff that, you know, I've experienced or maybe even heard from you and your podcast or maybe from your guest, but, you know, maybe they didn't hear that episode. And so, you know, just being a resource sometimes is all we need in this diabetes community Yeah, because it, it can feel, it can feel very lonely sometimes, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And you could shift. I mean, it's a, it's a pie in the sky idea for me, but you know, I have a, a limited time on the planet and I have a limited, you know, influence in, in this space. And I'd like very much to see if I couldn't shift a generation of thinking and, you know, maybe we get to a point where, you know, instead of you going to your doctor and saying, hey, I, what, what do you think of me pre-bolusing for a meal? And the doctor going, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, wouldn't it be great if a generation from now people came in, saw a spike and said, hey, are you pre-bolusing your meals? You, you know, like, like, let's change how people think about it. And, because you're not going to change the system. Like, that no. that moves too slowly. Like, you know, right. creaks along like an iceberg. So, you know, you need something that's more nimble, that can change with technology. And I just think this is a this is a golden moment. You know, all these algorithms um, are going to be delivered to people over the coming years. Um, you're going to see a lot more 6A1Cs on people who previously would not have been able to get out of the nines and tens if they were lucky. And say it wasn't even imaginable for, to me before before the podcast, before the Omnipod and Dexcom, uh, well, with the Omnipod 5 now, you know, before that. Like it would not even be imaginable to me to be in the fives. Yeah. Like I hear that and I'm just like, whoa, like you, you take way too much insulin or that must be because your blood sugar is low all the time. No, that's just because your blood sugar is steady. Yeah. And the only reason you thought that by the way, is because you just didn't have the information you needed. Correct. Yeah. That's great. Correct. Like I said, just it's information, just keep pumping it out there and people can, can do what they can do with it. And and you're going to help overall. Like, are there going to be people who are overwhelmed by it? And they're just like, I don't understand, or I can't make sense of this. They are. 
Um, and that's unfortunate. And hopefully we can find ways to help them as well. But those people weren't going to be helped one way or the other. And so right. you got to you have to look at the but good. That's, you but that's do. where that community comes in. Yes. And, you know, you feel like it's too much. It's whatever. But I think when you realize that, like, well, man, they're dealing with it. So why can't I? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I find it helpful to know that, like, I don't have a degree in anything that I don't, I couldn't be a doctor. I think that people can sit in their doctor's office and think, well, yeah, of course you can do it. You went to medical school. I, you know, I'm an idiot. Like if, if this guy with the podcast is doing it, like Jesus, maybe anybody can, you know, and, and I, I actually believe in that. And I, and I hope that's what I'm getting across to people is I don't know anything. I mean, I know a lot about diabetes, but I don't have any special ability to think about it that you don't have. I just, I just know the information. And, yeah. and I apply it when it needs to be applied. Listen, uh, Arden's going through a, a menstrual thing right now. She had a big hormonal impact. And she says to me the other day, I'm going to eat a very large bowl of cereal now. <laughs> I was, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and she's at school, you know. And she gave herself an aggressive bolus. And it knocked her blood sugar all the way down to 50 and I texted her. I was like, you all right? And she goes, yeah, I'm fine. She's like, I feel fine. Like, this is going to, trust me. She's like, I eat a lot of cereal. And I'm like, okay. And it's still, like, even though she had pre bolus so much that her blood sugar got to, like, 50, you know, after she got done eating, her blood sugar still went up to 170 after that. Now, imagine you don't pre bolus that. Oh well, yeah, that's it, in the three, that's uh, in the three hundreds, easy. And for, and for hours. And so, and up to 170, and then she managed it back down and she was good. And it's just, you know, like that's an 18 year old kid at college. Right. So, and she doesn't listen to my podcast. She just listens to me drone on in her ear about it, <laughs> you know? So I generally believe that if you, if you just listen, I know there's so many episodes, but if you just listen through this show, I don't see how you don't have an A1C, at least in the high fives or low sixes when it's, when it's over. I mean, it's not like you're you're giving any kind of rocket science. It's exactly. just like, hey, like, did you ever think about this? You're you're throwing out things that aren't really given to you, information that's not, you know, provided when you're first diagnosed or when you've been struggling with with uh, with diabetes for ten years. You know, because it's not so, like you said, it's not it's not a new age. It's, we're not in a generation where the endocrinologists will be willing to kind of step outside of what's in the textbook that maybe was written yeah. five years ago. It's a privilege to have the information because so few people get it. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to out anybody, but I was asked to privately give my talk to somebody. Like there's a 45 minute talk Cameron I could give that would like write, you know, write your thoughts about diabetes. And so um, this person comes and says, well, you know, you're having so much success helping people with diabetes. What does he tell them? I get on a private, you know, thing and I, I give the talk. And when it's over, the person says, yo, I knew all that already. And so I was kind of hmm. dismissed as, well, you didn't, you're not saying anything special. I thought you were saying something special. You're helping so many people. You just said things I know. And I thought, yeah, you know them. Lucky. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like they don't. Not they, everybody's it, on that same page. Yeah, it doesn't. And isn't that kind of comforting that they don't need 
rocket science text to figure out their diabetes. They just need these kind of common ideas and they need to be reinforced. They need to understand when to use them. They have to understand the impacts of their food and how insulin works, that it's not that hard. And I'm very upfront in the podcast. I say all the time, like there's not that much to it. You just don't know it. Like you'll, you can get to it, you know, um, when you're purely talking about management, not the psychological stuff in the community and all the other stuff that's really valuable. But I was kind of like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I hope they never hear this because he's a good person and everything. But I I was like, man, that was shitty. You, you know, like I was like, yeah, well, yeah I, I said, yes, it's not groundbreaking information, but I'm very good at delivering it to people. And if and that's a special thing, because if it wasn't, then I wouldn't have a popular podcast because people wouldn't need this information. Right. You know, and so anyway, I was off putting to me. I was it actually upset me a little bit. No, you d- you definitely put it out there that I feel like is very digestible. Uh, it's fun to listen to. I mean, I listen to this podcast when I'm on my way to work sometimes, when I'm in the gym working out, you know, just doing stuff around the house because it's like I can I can hear it and sometimes I can really key in on something that you're saying and other times it's kind of just like a conversation's going on in my in my ear. Yeah. So your your way of your way of delivering is uh definitely i think one of the the driving factors of the success of this of this podcast i appreciate that very much i mean i i I have people tell me sometimes like well i you know i'm not good at learning when i'm listening and i'm like yeah i understand that that's not for everybody and they're like well you should do it like this i'm like i mean this is how i do it like i can't just like make another thing for you i'm like i don't know how much time you think i have left but they're like you know make videos it's like when should i i have to sleep (laughs) Like, I don't know what I don't know what else <laughs> yeah. to tell you to do this, but I think that I also think that if they kind of just listened without the intention of learning, just to hear it and absorb it, you'd be surprised at how much information would be at your fingertips when you needed it. Even though if I put a piece of paper in front of you and tested you, you might not be able to answer the questions. Um, I just think there's something to that. I listen to some pretty heady podcasts where people are talking way over my head about things. And I'm sometimes I'm like, I don't even know what that word means, but I get to the end of it and I have a general understanding of what they were speaking about then. And and I think that's, you know, I think that's what this is. You just have to listen long enough to where a problem pops up and without thinking, you just go, oh, I know what I'll do here. I'm going to set a temp basil and, yeah. you know, like that kind of stuff. That's when it becomes really valuable, when it becomes second nature. Well, right, because it it challenges you, and I mean that's the the great thing about listening to podcasts on your phone is like, okay, well, while he's talking about, you know, while he's talking about different different things that go on with diabetes, like let me just Google that. Mm-hmm. Let me like, oh, okay, that's what that means. And sometimes that's why your like your little sub series or your what do you call them? Uh, like defining diabetes, defi- like, like defining yeah. diabetes yeah. or the variables or anything with that that those are always really helpful because sometimes it's like, okay, I've heard that word before, but what does that actually mean? Yeah. Like, is that something I'm, is that something that I'm dealing with or, Oh, that finally puts a, I can put a word to what I've been experiencing. So now when I go into the doctor's office and I talk about, you know, like my gut health or I talk about different hypo or hyper glycemia things, like, you know, it's, I'm I'm giving you I'm giving them words that maybe they don't 
they don't have to like, well, ask a thousand questions. They're like, okay, yeah, you're dealing with this. Okay. Let's try this. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You have the language to speak to them and not put them in a position where they're trying to figure out like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, listen, it's, it's terrific. I'm actually, Jenny and I are getting ready to start another series. Uh, We're finishing up the type two series that we did, which I, you know, it's interesting, Cameron, like it, it was very important to me to put together a type two series and it hurt me a little bit. Like my downloads were down because I put type two information into the podcast. Um, but I didn't care. I was like, I think it's going to help people. So I'm making, oh, there's, yeah, I'm making there's it. Definitely, I'm there's it definitely there. a market for it because when I told my mom about the podcast, she was, she started listening and she's just like, you know, he talks a lot about type one stuff and you know, it's good because I have a better understanding of what, what you're going through and what you've been going through. But she's like, it doesn't really help me much. Right. And so then when I did see, uh, I can't remember what, I can't remember who your guest was, but you were talking about type two diabetes and the different, the different things that they go through. I shared it with her and she's like, this is what I needed to hear. Yeah. This is, I wish that there was more of this. Is there a type two podcast for, or is there a podcast for type two diabetics? Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I'm sure there is, but it might not be as good as Scott's. <laughs> well, we put together this type two series, which I'm really proud of. It's a very honest conversation about, you know, exercise and food, but also that, you know, how medications can help and insulin can help and, and technology. So a blend of what I think real world impacts, you know, people, but we're getting, we're, we're bundling that up and getting done with it. And we're moving on now. We're going to do a debunking series. Like we're going to debunk myths about diabetes um, because oh, there are a lot of them. yeah and because as funny as some of them are i start wondering like how many people believe this you, you know so uh jenny and i are gonna do kind of a those shorter episodes about that and i just you know i think that if i'm going to continue to help people and reach them the podcast just has to stay current like it has to be new information I mean, man, I could lay back and just point to the the pro tip series and be like, "Look, listen to that. Your A one C is going to go down because it will." You, you know, but people yeah, right. people want they also want content. They also want to be entertained, and they and there's a a shocking number of people, shocking to me, that know how to manage their diabetes, but just want to hear from other people who have type one. You know, and so um, that that even that's terrific. So I don't know. I appreciate it. So you were you mentioned we're over time, but if you're okay to keep oh. going, um, oh yeah, sure. What what is it you do for a living now? You, you no longer are children pulling your insulin pumps <laughs> off, right? No, nope, not that. I uh, I'm actually a firefighter, and I mean that that in itself, I feel like would be a whole could could be a whole episode. But just dealing with that and like the the variables that go into just my everyday shift. Uh, we work 24 hour shifts. So, you know, having to deal with that, having to kind of educate uh, my crew members about diabetes and you know, talking and I'm not making sense. Or if I, you know, if I'm sweating uh, a lot and it's not really hot, so that just doesn't really make sense. They've, they've learned those things and, you know, it, it could be annoying sometimes because, you know, maybe I'm just sweating because I just got done. <laughs> Karen, hold on. You broke up for a second, but Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, you broke up for a second, but I, I'm assuming what you were telling me was that sometimes you're just sweaty and people are like, Hey man, are you all right? 
right. Yeah. I'm just like, no, I'm just hot or, you know, I have my gear on. So that's why I'm sweating and I'm, I'm working harder than you. That's why I'm sweating. Yeah. But I mean, they even know like the different sounds that come from my phone or from my PDM. It's like, Oh, I know that that sound means. And it it's, it's refreshing to know that I don't have to be embarrassed by it. Yeah. I'm very forthcoming now that I have, you know, diabetes. I wasn't in the beginning of my career because I felt like, I mean, it was even a hassle just to get on the department uh, with my diabetes had to, go see a couple different doctors for them to say like, okay, yeah, he manages it well enough. This will, this won't uh, affect his ability to do the job, Hmm. things like that. It's been good. And then I don't know if I mentioned it, but ever since getting on the, the Omnipod five and using this algorithm, it's made it to the point where sometimes like people ask, like, is your, uh, is your pot, is your, is your PDM not working today? Cause I haven't heard it beep at all. And I'm like, well, if you look at this line, I mean, it almost looks like a, a ruler because it's so straight. Yeah. And just like, oh, so that it must be working out really well for you. It's amazing. Um, Isn't it amazing to see like a see a machine do the thing that we talk about in the pro tip series, like take it away, uh, give a little more like that kind of stuff. It's so wonderful. I mean, it I really mean, is. Yeah. And it's for me, I think what what helped a lot was just the the adjustable basal the smart i well, it's not called smart iq it's called uh what oh what oh oh um jeez isn't that funny i you got it in my head about control iq with uh t- with tandem because they yeah. but, but, but smart adjust they call it smart, smart adjust yeah, there yeah, you go yeah, yeah sorry yeah because before you know i might have been taking like 35 units of basal insulin every day which was way too much and now with this like sometimes i'm at like 18 or 19 units and i'm just like man that would have helped that bouncing around a lot because i'm getting so much basil and it's making blood sugar low so that i'm eating more which makes my blood sugar high mm-hmm. whereas now you know i could i could not eat all day and my blood sugar would still stay in the 90 to 100 range oh that's or i could yeah. eat i could eat like a king and you know with the right with the right uh bolus with the right boluses and carb inputs you know still stay at a pretty pretty flat line on the uh on the cgm so i'll tell you that's one of the more fascinating things about an algorithm is you know to watch arden like i don't know sleep in one morning and not have eaten for 12 hours and her blood sugar is just super stable and she doesn't get low it is Uh, the best feeling in the world to see like that overnight your blood sugar didn't jump up or drop down. Like it stayed right where you want it to be. Mm. Uh, just looking at that, like I'll even like before my wife wakes up, I'll be like, Hey babe, look at this. And she, you know, turn over. What, what do you want? I'm like, look how straight that line is. Yeah. Good, <laughs> good, good, good for you. Good for you. Now let me go back to sleep. Uh, leave me alone. But it's, it's just something I get excited about still. Uh, and I've been on it for a year now. So no, 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 you just, you made me like just talking about it. I it makes me want to talk for 20 minutes about the value of being able to fast, like not eat, you know, without yeah. without being like, oh, I'm going to get low. Um, right. Like it's just I mean, just to get up in the morning, like if you have to go to a blood test and it says, oh, it's a fasting blood sugar or, you know, you're not like, oh, God, well, what am I going to do? Like, what if I have to eat? Like, what if my, my blood sugar is definitely going to get low and then I'm going to have, you know, just that that little bit of anxiety gone. Just the idea uh, that you can sleep and yeah, worry about that. And that. Man, it just uh, it frees up so much space in your mind. Like, not saying I don't think about it, but sure. I know that I can 
I can be at work and we can be we can be on scene of a fire for, you know, five to six hours. And I know that my blood sugar is not going to drop down. Hmm. Or even if I'm sorry, even if you do get low, the value of knowing that it's been cutting back basil for like an hour before that, like it's not like going to be one of those like crazy falling lows. Like, all right, I got low, but at least it's not a panic situation. Right. Yeah. I might've dropped down to 70, which I mean, I can, I mean, having, having the tighter control now, I, I can feel that. Whereas before it's like my blood sugar was my sugar is being in the 200, 300s. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, no, no, so that I, sensitivity has gotten, gotten a lot better. Fantastic. Glucose monitoring algorithms. Greatest. Just really, I, I'm, I'm excited for uh, them becoming more affordable and more available. Um, you know, you might, you might really change like, you know, the, the world for a lot of people and their health. It's just fairly exciting. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Cameron, is there oh, anything yeah. we haven't talked about that we should have? No, this was a, this was a great conversation. Like I said, I just, I like to share my story cause you know, people see me now and they're just like, man, you, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know that you have diabetes. Like, you know, kind of going into that myth thing that you were talking about, but they're like, you know, you're not a big person or you're not old or, you know, you don't eat like crap. So how do you have diabetes? And it's like, well, I have type one diabetes. Yeah. Oh, well, how can you do the job then? Because, you know, I have a cousin that has diabetes and they're, you know, they're not nearly as, as fit as you. So just, I guess, talking about the the growth that I've had in the 21 years I've had diabetes, like just talking about it makes me feel like proud of myself and grateful for all the people and the technology that has that has come a very long way uh since my since my initial diagnosis is uh is a great thing you have a ton of perspective for a younger person too because well you got an old i got an old soul yeah well yeah i definitely feel that Uh, but you're also like your diagnosis time was interesting like you weren't in the 80s or the early nineties when everything was just kind of like a mess, like as far as insulin was going and stuff like that, it was still just very much coming together. Like you came into it 2001, you know, there's not quite like, like CGMs aren't there yet. Like there's a couple more years away. Mm-hmm. There's a pump or two that are, that exist. Um, but it just, as things start happening, you're, you're about ready to start taking care of yourself. Like, so, you know, you, you, while you were struggling 17, 18, 19, 20, the industry and the, and the technology and the insulins were just really kind of all coalescing. And so when you popped up out of your, out of your, you know, out of your hole and you're like, I'm ready to take care of myself. There was an offering of things there to help you do that. The podcast, insulin pumps, better insulin, um, CGMs, And and you just like took off with it, you know, like it's really, really cool. Well, I'd be, I'd be amiss to say I I didn't pop up out of that hole. My wife pulled me out of that hole. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. (laughs) Like I said, she, she is definitely a very big factor of, uh, of my care today. I mean, and I can even sometimes like I'll, I'll be annoyed because so I don't need you to text me that my blood sugar is dropping. Like I get that on my watch. I get that on my phone. I get that on my PDM. Like I don't need another notification, but she's just like, okay, I'm just letting you know. Cause sometimes I know like you hear it and you think that you're going to be okay. So she, uh, she yeah. stays on top of it. She stays on top of me. And, uh, I, 
with Tubby has has allowed me to to be where I'm at today. Well, yeah, and it's good of her to do that because it's easy to get pushed off of that. And like I get your perspective, I really do. But you know, I I could go on forever about the perspective of a person who cares about somebody who's using insulin. <laughs> Right. You know, like I was in the car. Oh, yeah. I, was in the I hear that all the time when you're talking about Arden. I'm just like, man, I kind of feel like Arden sometimes like, yeah, Dad, I don't need you texting me. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, oh, please. It happened the other just the other day. She had a really. So she had a thing where her she tried to make a site last too long. And I texted mm-hmm. her and I was like, listen, just change this pump before you go to class. And she's like, there's 40 units left in this pod. And I'm like, yeah, but look, like, look back over the last six hours. Like, it's not, it's just not working the way we want it to. And she went out and she, you know, tried to eat and her, you know, because she was holding the decent blood sugar. It was holding it like 120 um, and it was pushing. Like the algorithm was giving more insulin, but couldn't get it down, which is, you know, the site's going bad. Right. And so, um, right. So she tries to eat and the 120 goes to 150. And then I it, now it's creeping, and I'm watching it, 160, 170. She's in class. Like, there's nothing she can do. So we're just, like, pushing as much insulin through it as we can. And then she gets, I think, too hopeful and tries to eat one more meal on the pump. And, like, bang. Like, she's just, like, 300. Uh, yep. Like, it just can't hold up to that crappy college food. And so she, you know, <laughs> uh, doesn't need me to tell her. She goes back. She changes her pump. And she makes a, you know, a bolus. But now you're you're in it now, Cameron. Now this is going to be two and a half hours to to break this 300 and get it back down again. And so she, right. she does a really great job of doing all that. But I'm in the car when it breaks. And I don't know if, like, when it breaks is an idea that, like, translates to everybody. But if you have a CGM, like, it's a sticky high, it's a sticky high. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh-oh, here it comes. And you're... You know, she's falling. Double arrows down. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and so I text her. I'm like, hey. And she doesn't answer me because she sees the text and goes, yeah, I know. But I don't know she knows. And now, and I'm yeah. in the car. So I, I called her and she like denied the call. And I, te- and she's like, stop. I know. And I said, listen, that's cool. And, uh, but I'm in the car and I can't look. And I know that this isn't like perfect for you. But I can't drive a half an hour and look up and find out you're dead. Like, I can't live with that. Like, I need right. I need to tell you this. And, you know, and and I believe in you. I know you're taking care of it. And I, I don't think you're ignoring it. But what if, I don't know, what if you just missed it and then I don't say something? Like, that's the part that I don't know that people with diabetes can appreciate because they're not on the other side of it. Like, I can't yeah. I can't be the one not to say something if, you know if something bad's going to happen, like that's the other, that's what she always says. She's like, I'd rather annoy you and you stay alive than for me to just say like, Oh, he's got it. And then get a call that, you know, you bought, you bottomed out somewhere. Yeah, no, please. I, I'm not going to, I, I listen, I tell her, I'm like, I love you. I am just trying to help. I just, you know, I want you to be safe. I believe in you. I know you've got this, but you know, this is a situation that calls for a little, you know, redundancy. And I think she understands it later. It's just in the moment. I it must be so and I can't I can't imagine. It must be so irritating in the moment, you know, for you. It is. And I feel like maybe you could talk to your friends at Dexcom and just say, like, you know, maybe in the follow app we can put like a chat feature where you can, you know, put a thumbs up, like you see that it's dropping low, so that like the person knows who's following you that, hey, I see this, I've acknowledged it. 
I'm good. Oh, it'd be great. Wouldn't it just to like be able to like go into the app and just touch something that says, I'm aware that this is happening. So the people who are following you, right, just are like, oh, they know. Right. Yeah, no, oh, please. It's a bit, it would be, I think that'd be a really great idea. Yeah, that's just, just one of my many ideas that <laughs> I think would make the user interface better. I mean, like, and I get that this is to save your life. So, uh, yeah. And that's, and that's what those people who are following you, I think, you know, when they reach out to you because they see that, Hey, your blood sugar is like double arrow down and you're at, you know, 140, like maybe you should do something or, mm-hmm. you know, your blood sugar has been at 250 for two hours now. Like, are you going to take some insulin? Right. Right. Like, yeah. Well, going back to Arden's cereal story, like the vibe from her was, I can't possibly die. You have no idea how much cereal is in me right now (laughs) and and then that's her perspective like she's like i know i'm okay right because you don't you don't see that you don't see what she's eating so all you see is the number and the direction of that arrow and it's just like oh we got to do something enough uncertainty that's just it's unnerving yeah you know and so you need someone to say i know or i got it and and it, it takes away a lot of the stress on the other side well anyway i mean i don't I don't see that changing much. Uh, that dynamic seems pretty set in stone and rather human. So yep. any, anyway, but it's all for the better. Yeah. Oh it's my God. Please. You've, you've like, you know, but some people don't know. Some people are newer to this. They'll wear a CGM their whole life and never know diabetes without it. It ragdolls you when you can't see it. Like you just feel like you're being thrown around some days um, w- when you're blind and there's still plenty of people living without CGMs and they still know that feeling. So um, it sucks. It really does. I hate when, like, you know, at the doctor's office, they'll tell you, like, oh, well, you gotta, let's wait six months before we talk about putting you on a pump. And it's like, well, if the technology is there, like, let's just go ahead and give it to them now. Like, mm-hmm. well, why let, why make them suffer to, to deal with that? But at the same time, I think having that time where I didn't have a CGM and I didn't have an Omnipod, like, it allows me to appreciate, like, man, I got a really good thing here. And like, how was I, how was I surviving before? Yeah. Well, I agree with that, but you, you get to have that perspective because you made it through it. And there, right. you know what I mean? There are plenty of people who get told like no to an insulin pump and never go back and never ask again. And they, they end up going down a much different path. So like, yeah, I agree with you. Like there's part of me that says, just give it to everybody. Like, what are you doing? There's part of me that appreciates that the struggle builds understanding. I always just kind of default to the idea of like, what about the people who struggle and never come out of it? Like, wouldn't it have been better just to slap an algorithm on them? Right. Yeah. We don't always have to learn the hard way about things. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) No, that might be generational. I don't think my kids think of it that way. Like, I don't, I don't need to be hit in the head to learn something. Right. But we'll see. Oh man. It's great. I I enjoy talking to you very much, Cameron. I appreciate you wanting to do this. This was good, man. I like I said, just just hearing your voice in the in the headphones here, it's like, man, am I listening to a podcast? No, I'm I'm actually talking to him. So <laughs> I, it's good, I, and just to kind of share my thoughts and hear your your opinions about it, it's very valuable. I'm glad. Thank you. I just listened when I realized how long you've been listening. I like I parked right up. I was like, I can't let this guy down. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta come. No, through. I'd, I'd say I'm I'm one of the OGs when it comes to this juice box podcast. No kidding, you really are. I appreciate that very much. I'm in and being serious too. Like, I know everybody can't listen to every episode. Like, that's not my intention. 
I mean, I think if you look, like I try to spread things through the, through one week where, you know, there's might be a couple things there you're interested in. You might want to listen to all of them, but you you should at least find something that would would um engage you and that you would enjoy. Um so I I'm, you know, I'm aware of that. But Yeah, I mean, you use I think your type your titles of things uh, uh you know, definitely spark interest sometimes. I'm just like, "Wait, what? What what does that have to do or you know, what does that have to do with diabetes? Like, or that kind of sounds like provocative. Like I, I'm, I'm curious to find out. And right. then I think it's also kind of like a, a marketing genius tool that you use where you don't give a lot of description in like the, the podcast, you might give like one sentence and then your, your list of ads or whatever. So it's like, oh, well, I guess I got to listen to this. So <laughs> Thank let's you. see. And then once, <laughs> once you're in it for 20 minutes, you're like, well, this isn't the most exciting, but I'm still going to listen because I'm already I'm already in it now. So yeah, and eventually, even people who you have nothing in common with, I find eventually say something that you're just like, "Huh, I never thought of it that way." And you know, like I think that's kind of valuable sometimes is to listen to people that have nothing to do with you. Um, and right. I mean, and don't get me wrong, like there's there's plenty of people I interview and I think like. I could have done without hearing this. Like I, I'm like you know, <laughs> but then every time I have that thought. I hear from a bunch of people who are like, I love that. Ep- There's one I have in mind from this year. I got done it. And I was like, am I even going to play this? Like, like I just, I thought, God, this is, I thought it sucked. Like I really did. And then I edited it back and I thought, no, someone's going to like this. And I put it up and my God, did I get a lot of good feedback about it. And you I don't know, you I, don't know until you know. Yeah. So. I couldn't even have imagined. Like if you gave me one that I for sure knew I could have just been like, eh, I'm just going to pretend I lost this one. Like <laughs> it would, it would have been that episode, man. Did people get back to me? I loved her. This was great. I really, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, so I don't try to judge anymore. What I think people enjoy or want to hear. Like I just, I try to put it all out there and let them find it. But my point to you was is that I appreciate you sticking with it for this long because it really is, I, I I know I say it sometimes, but you have no idea. Like, this is an absolute full-time job. Like, I wake up in the morning, I start doing something for this podcast, and there are many nights I don't stop till 9 o'clock at night. And if the podcast didn't have ads, then I couldn't do that, and then the podcast wouldn't exist. And, you know, it's because of how people support the show. It's because they listen to it, because they drive big numbers to it that, you know, a certain percentage of those people are like, oh, yeah, I could use some sheets or I do want an Omnipod. And yeah. and enough of those people use those links to bring those advertisers back. And those advertisers allow me to get up in the morning and focus on making a podcast for people who have diabetes. So it's really yeah, I mean, it, those ads, they definitely work because like when I first start listening, all I had was the Omnipod. And then I start listening and I was like, this Dexcom thing kind of sounds cool. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I should try that out. Yeah. I went to, went to the link that you had in one of the show notes and like got into it. And then like, I, once I had it, I understood like, man, yeah, this is a great tool to have. So, and I mean, and like you were saying, you do this so much, like, even when I think like, man, okay, I've got this thing really down. I listen to a pot. I listen to an episode and I'm just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting take on that. Like I should, I should try that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's helpful. I appreciate it very I, much. I really do. I did have one question. I did have one question for you though. Sure. I don't let's, know if you, let's go. you could edit this out, but no, no. with the, uh, so when I'm listening to the podcast, like I subscribed on 
Ooh, you broke up, Cameron. Hold on a second. But you always talk, call them downloads. Oh, I know that you can download the episode, but I just listen to it. Yeah, is that hel- is that helping or hurting hurting your numbers or it's anything? The exact same thing. So okay. I think it, the the I download just comes from back in the day to listen to a podcast. You actually had to download it onto your device, and uh, and so now we stream. Most people stream their 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 content, right? Right. Um, okay. So a download or a stream to me is the same thing. It's a it's it's a delivered episode. Yeah, because I, I was feeling bad one day. I was like, no, no. man, I don't I don't download these episodes. Like, I just click on it, and it starts playing. And I feel like if I listen to it all the way through, then it counts as a... It does. It should count towards his, towards his metrics. Yeah. But No, it absolutely like, does. I mean, it, if you think, maybe I'll go through and just start letting <laughs> letting all these podcasts that I didn't listen to play through. Or maybe I'll have to <laughs> click download on all of them. Well, just this, so, you know, Scott can get his numbers. This is the level of... of- of interest I want from people listening. Thank you very much. Uh, but no, it's if you listen to a show, like technically you've you're downloading it slowly as you stream it. It's just not being saved. So it's okay. it's all the same. It's all the metrics. Just it's listen and listen through. So okay. um, you know, I can see like I can actually see where people stay till where they drop off. Um, it's interesting, you know. Um, it's, it's it's very interesting. Uh, my listen through rate is really high, and I'm I'm proud of that. Like you, you more people out of every hundred than are um, normal for podcasts actually listen to the entire episode, which is really cool, and um, and I appreciate it very much. Yeah, no, thank you. You can I'll, I'll leave this in. I appreciate you caring very much. All right, cool. Well, thank yeah, you. man, it was great. Yeah. I like this. I appreciate it. Tell your wife I said uh, hello. I'm in. <laughs> Sounds like she uh she saved your life. That's pretty cool. How many kids? Hey, how many kids do you have in total now? Uh, I have three. Have three sons. Three boys. Oh wow, wow. Do they have any autoimmune, or do you have any other autoimmune stuff, Cameron? Nope, I do not. No. And I always hear you ask this question to people, and they're just like, "Well, no, I don't." But then I have this, or I know I have that, and I'm like, "Well, that's an autoimmune disease, idiot." Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, well, that's why I ask because I don't think people know most of the time. Like, no, I don't have any autoimmune stuff. I do have vitiligo. I'm like, wait, okay, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's yeah. autoimmune. Uh, but that, no, that's that interesting. Classify. But yeah, no, uh, no, none of my boys do. Uh, there was a time where I thought that my middle son he would. We did we did the uh, the trial net thing and came back that you know he was he was good didn't have any of the markers or anything. Oh, that's great! I'm glad. So far, good, good. I'm glad. Um, I hope everybody stays that way. Um, anyway, thank you very much. Can you hold on for a second for me? Sure. Thanks. I want to thank Cameron for coming on the show and sharing his story. And I'd also like to thank US Med, not just for getting me Arden supplies quickly and easily, but for sponsoring the show. USMed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. Get your diabetes supplies from US Med. Please don't forget to check out touchedbytype1.org and find them on Instagram and Facebook and give them a follow. They really are helping people with type 1 diabetes in a unique and special way. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe in that app.